Please open your Bibles this morning to John, John chapter 18, fourth gospel of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We'll be reading John chapter 18, verse 28 to 40. Jesus before Pilate. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonially uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourself and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken indicated the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, Jesus said, Pilate said. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at a time at this at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. Thus far the reading of God's word. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can be here this morning, that we could celebrate the Lord's Supper, that we could be fed by your Son through your Spirit. Thank you that we could praise you and worship you, talk to you in prayer, and now listen to your word. Lord, may this time of of worship together, may it shape us more and more into the people you're calling us to be. Lord, I pray that the words which will be spoken next, Lord, may they be your words and not mine. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are so many different parts to this story. I counted at the beginning of the week how many different sermons I had preached on this text because it seems to come up most times during Lent. And in 20 years I have preached on this text 
11 times. This is the 12th. The amazing thing is, there's so many things in it that this, each of the sermons was so different because they were spoken at different times and to different people, different congregations, in different situations. We're going through signposts, broken signposts. This morning we're going to take a look at Pilate's question, what is truth? Now the word truth in Greek is aletheia, and it's used in three different senses, three different ways of being in agreement with fact or reality, as opposed to being false or an error. And, and, and for Western people, you know, this is the main, main meaning of the word truth. And it's the main meaning of the word truth in the New Testament as well. But it's also meant to mean faithfulness or reliability. And it's used to describe that which is complete and whole rather than that which is incomplete or broken. In John's telling of the story of Jesus' trial before Pilate, you can get a sense that all three uses of this, all three definitions of the word truth kind of come out here. Now, Jesus has been convicted by the Jewish council of elders, the Sanhedrin, for claiming to be the Son of God. And Jesus is speaking the truth, who he is, to the very people who should have recognized exactly who he is. Unfortunately, they're too afraid of what might happen with Rome if regular people accept Jesus as the promised Messiah and follow him. And as Caiaphas, father of the high priest Annas at that time says, it would be good if one man died for the people rather than having a whole lot of Jewish people die. And that had happened quite often. Jesus was not the first one to say he was the Messiah. And every time a Messiah came up, a rebellion would happen against Rome. And Rome would come in with their legions and hundreds of Jewish men would die. That's what they were afraid of. And yet, Caiaphas unknowingly spoke a deeper truth as Jesus' death leads to the salvation of all God's people. Professor Catherine Grieb talks about this passage and John's use of the word truth throughout his gospel. The gospel of John, the whole book of John, uses the word truth more than any other book in the Bible and way more than the other Gospels combined. Not only that, but most of the most quoted verses in John, the ones that have shaped Christian discourse or conversation over the centuries, have been concerned with the question of truth. Consider just a few examples. Chapter 1, verse 14, describing describing how the Word became flesh, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and And truth. In chapter 4, verses 23 to 24, Jesus tells the Samaritan woman that the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. In chapter 8, 32, Jesus promises, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, just as Mr. Terry discovered. In the discourse material of chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus describes himself as the way, 
the truth, and the life. So for John, that word truth is like really important. Jesus speaks to truth. He claims to be truth. Truth points us to God, to who God is, and how God is at work through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit for the world. Jesus calls himself, as we saw, the way, the truth, and the life, calling us to walk his way, the way revealed in his teaching and life, which all point to his Father and the reality of the powers at work in our world. And Jesus keeps pointing us to and calling us to be part of the kingdom of heaven by believing in him. Calling us to a kingdom where he's the true king from the line of David. As Jesus tells Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. And Pilate grabs hold of what Jesus says here. He's going, oh, I've got a way out of this. This could save him from this dilemma that he finds himself in where he knows that Jesus is innocent. But what Jesus just said gives him the flimsy evidence that he needs to hand Jesus over to be crucified. But Jesus goes on. See, Jesus, he kind of throws wrenches into all our plans a lot of times if we kind of think we know it all. Jesus says, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And it's at this point that the exasperated Pontius Pilate asks, well, what is truth? Pilate's supposed to be on the side of truth and law. Three times he declares Jesus is innocent, and yet the truth does not save Jesus. It doesn't keep Pilate from handing Jesus over to be executed. Pastor Craig Noster's fascinated by Jesus' trial. The trial narrative is a sustained exercise in truth-telling. Throughout these chapters, everyone's pretensions are exposed. Peter, the Christian, proves to be no disciple. The Jewish authorities violate their own principles to achieve their own ends. Pilate, the Roman, proves powerless to put the truth into practice. As the narrative peels back the facades of strength and propriety for these people, it also asks readers, are you so different? What would happen if we looked closely? The story of the trial is important because it shows us the fallen character of the world for which Jesus came to die. It discloses the dynamics of sin at work in human relationships. And it prepares us for the final aspect of this story, which concerns God's relationship with such a world. What I found fascinating was how truth is shown to be so unimportant to so many of the characters in this story. Truth is manipulated. It's ignored in order for different people's agendas to move forward. As I read this story of how Jesus is railroaded to the cross, and yes, he's railroaded to the cross, even though it's God's plan, 
I took a look at our own society and how careless so many people are with truth today. You know, a few years ago, we got this whole new concept of an alternate truth. We see regularly truth being manipulated in order to fit people's agendas, to inflate their own egos, or even worse, to deliberately mislead others into believing something false. It's fascinating that Jesus is called a threat to God or considered a threat to God. The reality, he's a threat to the Jewish leaders. He's a threat to Rome. It's ironic that the place where the truth about who Jesus is is most clearly proclaimed on the cross in a sign by Pilate, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And it's written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so nobody has any excuse for not recognizing it. Pilate unintentionally on his part, and to spite the Jewish leaders, tells the world who Jesus is. Looking back, we see now that the cross is where Jesus reigns because that's where the love of God reigns. God's power is revealed as the love of God that moves through all these broken people, through all this falsehood, all these, all these people who, who misuse the truth in order to reclaim his world, even though it's turned away from him. God sends Jesus as a king of the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom built through God's self-giving love. So we come back to Jesus' statement that he's the way, the truth, and the life. N.T. Wright, who kind of gave the idea for this series, he reflects on Jesus' claim. And he writes... This extraordinary claim should not be heard so much within the sounding chamber of our modern world where truth is the arrogant claim of the powerful. Well, the reality is that that's always been true. Truth here is the strange, gentle, yet powerful truth of new creation. The new creation that fulfills the old by taking the shame and death of the old into itself and overcoming it. Truth is the reality of love, divine love, Jesus' love, the love made flesh. This is not a claim to be measured alongside others as though Jesus and half a dozen other teachers or leaders were being weighed against some arbitrary modern standard of religion? Either Israel is the people of the creator God or Israel is not. Either Jesus is Israel's Messiah or he is not. Either the creator God launched his new creation in and through Jesus as Israel's Messiah or he did not. God, John's gospel is written to affirm all three propositions. 
Israel is God's people. Jesus is Israel's Messiah. And through him, God has set in motion his new creation. But the truth is even more than just what N.T. Wright says. See, Jesus came not just for the Jewish people. He came for the world. God so loved the cosmos, his creation, that he sent his only beloved son. Sent him to establish a kingdom that crosses all borders and includes all the nations of the world. I thought about that this week as that war in Israel and Gaza goes on. Israel is God's people. And yet, I have known so many Palestinian Christians and I know that their families are suffering right now as well. Remember that we make these borders, we create this conflict. And it's hard because it takes a few like Hamas to destroy and to bring death where there should be life. That's why the Gospel of John is so important. John reminds us that the truth is that Jesus is the creator and that everything was created very good but that sin entered into the world. And yet God refuses to give up on his people or creation. And he promises a Messiah who will defeat the serpent, the liar, and reconcile us with God again. And Jesus is this promised Messiah. When the angel first comes to to Mary and then to Joseph, they're told that Jesus will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And to name him Jesus, which means he saves. Because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus not only takes our punishment for our sin on the cross, but he calls us to walk in his way. A rabbi's way of calling his followers to follow his teachings and imitate him. And when we do this, it helps us to see the world for what it is. A world in God's hands. That's also filled with many who refuse to acknowledge God. And who try to be like God themselves. Their way leads to brokenness and death. So if you're looking for a deep life, filled with purpose and meaning, Jesus shows us the way. His way. At its heart, this is what the Reformation was all about. A return to trusting Jesus alone for our salvation. To trust in his way and teachings or the church's rituals and claims on people's lives and souls. But I would say today that it's also Trusting Jesus over our own work to save ourselves, to create our own identity. 
Satan wants us to believe that meaning and purpose come from having power and might. From being able to do whatever we want. But ultimately, listening to him leaves us empty. Wondering if there's more to life than what Satan or our culture promises. When Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple to consecrate Jesus to the Lord, they meet Simeon, who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Liz Curtis Higgs writes, Usually we console people who are sorrowful or have lost someone dear to them. What had the people of God lost? Well, they'd lost their way, just as we have in our generation. We turn to one another for answers when God alone can provide the wisdom we need. We depend on possessions or position. As for the Israelites, they pursued false gods, worshipped idols, turned their backs on the Almighty, and done what was right in their own eyes. Now they needed to be consoled. They needed to long to be redeemed, just as we do. The Holy Spirit reveals to Simeon the truth of who Jesus is. That he's our Messiah. He's the one who comes to take away the sin of the world. But he's also here to bring his kingdom. Where the effects of sin are overturned and we discover new life in Jesus. Where we're not wearing those chains. Where that is all taken from us. Where we're given new life. Where, where our past ha- has shaped us so that we are who today. But our past doesn't have to determine who we are becoming. If we trust in Jesus, if we walk in his path, his way, if we trust that he truly is the truth and speaks truth and lives truth, we can have that life that he is as well. You see, John reminds us that grace and truth come through Jesus. He's calling us to stay close to Jesus. To learn the truth of who Jesus is and who we are. But also to recognize the truth of the forces that shape our world and culture. Our culture is not all bad, but it's not all good either. And that's where we need Jesus and the Holy Spirit to help us recognize what is good and what is not. Earlier in John's Gospel, before Pontius Pilate's haunting question, Jesus gives us a very clear instruction concerning the truth. If you remain in my word, you will truly be my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Free from the lies all around us. Free from fear. 
free from sin, but also free to serve and to be children of God. So truth. We can go philosophical. We can go in all kinds of different directions. We can listen to all kinds of people who claim to have the truth. But ultimately, as followers of Jesus, if we're seeking truth, truth about what the world really is, what life really is, about who we really are, as John Calvin says, the more we know about Jesus, the more we learn about ourselves. And the more we learn about ourselves, the more we learn about Jesus. Because Jesus and the Spirit work together. It's revealed to us what truth is. And then calls us to a life of hope where truth shapes us and forms us and frees us. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for, for John who, who talks so much about truth. And in all his talk about truth, he keeps pointing us back to you and to Jesus and to how your spirit works in us to help us recognize truth. Truth of who you are, who Jesus is, but also the truth of who we are what our world is and then you give us a, a journey, a way, a path of truth that sets us free so that we can experience your new life thank you Amen